Another Way to Play, episode 102. It's always hard when you're being real, when you're saying, guys, like, I'm struggling. This isn't like how I wanted it to be. So I did something and it didn't work or, or whatever. I don't think it ever really gets any easier because people see the wins and they expect things of you, or at least you think they do anyway. I think a lot of it's to do with your perception of what you think people think of you. This is Rachel Boardman, host of the Beyond the Finish Line podcast. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is another way to play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and I believe that if you trade hours for dollars, you will never achieve true freedom in your life. Today's guest is Rachel Boardman. She's the host of the podcast Beyond the Finish Line. She's a former swimming athlete in Great Britain, and in this episode talks about her struggles with competition. She had some illnesses coming back, going forward, performance issues. There's a lot of really interesting stuff uh, that she brings forward and ultimately talks about how that led her to a place where she was a bit lost. Um, and then decided to travel abroad and realized that she was going to start a podcast, which has now been quite successful and has helped her in her business life quite substantially. If you get some value out of this episode, please head over to iTunes, give it a rating and review, um, and let me know how you're enjoying the show and what I can do to continue to improve. I guess I do read those, and I'm excited to continue to bring great content to you as a listener. So thanks in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's bring her in. Here's my interview with Rachel Boardman. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Really excited to have you on. No worries. I'm excited to be here as well. It's like, I know it's like the second time we've done this because of tech issues, but like, it, I'm just, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. And, and like we were talking about last time, you were getting to the good stuff in your story uh, right when we had those tech issues. So I'm really excited to actually get to that. Um, but before we get to all of that, let's back up and talk about where your journey actually began. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, like with most people that get into swimming, like I, the reason why, like I learned to swim in the first place was because it was like three or four. My mom and dad wanted to take us away on holiday and they didn't want to have to worry about us like drowning in the pool in the hotel when we were on holiday. They just wanted to be able to relax on holiday, like any normal person really. Mm -hmm. So they took us to swimming lessons to learn to swim, but what they really didn't realize or they didn't have any kind of income was that that was the thing that I was going to fall in love with like sport wise like all that as soon as I started swimming that's all I wanted to do I tried a bunch of different sports like I tried gymnastics I tried I did football and rugby and cricket and and and, and athletics and a bunch of other things but like a netball and like a lot of different sports as you do when you're a kid yeah um but like like swimming was the, there's the one for me um and I was like it got to the point where like I went through the lessons and um, at one point they, they were like oh okay you've hit like the top of the lessons we can't take you any further and I just kind of turned around to me and went but I want to swim 
And mum was like, okay then. So <laughs> luckily she, she was friends with someone who did teaching and coaching at a local uh, swimming club and uh, kind of got me involved in that and moved me over into that system and um, got me involved in that. And I like went through the rest of the ranks of their swimming lessons. She sorted out my breaststroke kit because at that point the, I had a bit of a screw kick, um, which when I think about it, because like when I like progressed into competitive swimming, like breaststroke was the, the stroke for me. So if I hadn't met that, that coach hadn't been there right at the beginning, like there's no way I would have got there because like she corrected my screw kick. Um, and um, and when you say screw kick, you mean just like the way that your feet were moving through the yeah, water? Yeah, yeah. So they weren't doing, basically the technique wasn't correct. And it's a, it's a really, really common thing with people some breaststroke. Uh, a lot of people who some breaststroke when they're learning is they'll have one mm. foot doing the right thing and one foot doing not the right thing. Um, because mm. obviously it's, everything has to be symmetrical right um, she managed to correct that and then it went from strength to strength I went up through the scheme um, into the club system went from like doing half an hour lessons to eventually doing like 20 hours a week in the pool and plus five or six gym lessons sessions and that was all while I was doing like for going through high school and um what you kind of call the end of high school but we finish high school at 16 and then we have two years of college before we go into university or what you guys are college if that mm. it makes sense <laughs> right um yeah, yeah, we we would not. Yeah, so I guess like, college and university yeah. are often synonymous with one yeah. another in our in in the American system. Yeah, so yeah, over here we call like we have wait, it looks, um, age seventeen and eighteen. You go to like what's called sixth form college, um, which would be like, um, and then you go on to university or what you guys would call college. But I kind of mm-hmm. swam throughout that um, kind of system. I had um, quite a pretty good. Uh, swimming career as it went like I got to swim for my I was county champion so I represented and I represented Lancashire counties at the uh, championships to help them win and we beat Yorkshire which is like for anyone that knows anything about um, the English counties that's a whole big rivalry um, the Red Rose versus the White Rose and all that it goes way back all the way back to like the Tudors um, <laughs> War of the Roses oh wow um, yeah it's, it's it's one of those things um and then um, I was a uh, Northwest regional champion. Um, I got to swim. I was top 20 national age groups. I swam for my club, but in Germany. And that was pretty cool, getting to swim in a different country, um, as I'm sure you, you can attest to. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. But then, like, at 15, I was uh, diagnosed with pneumonia. I had it till I had it twice within six months. Um, Wow. And that, like, the second time was like I got diagnosed with it, but the first time we just thought it was a bad chest infection because um, I'm asthmatic and, like, chest infections were a common thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I had that pneumonia and I was out for a month. I went and competed a month after. I should not have done that, but you do stuff like that when you're an athlete. You just want to get in and, and compete. Um, mm-hmm. And I, but it took me three whole years from the point of getting that diagnosis to kind of having a good season and doing a best time and just watching all my friends like go from like level or just below like the kind of where I was at to passing me and watching them go in and make um, national finals, British champs, swimming for GB and all that. Whereas I was just stood there plodding along and it just like, come on, I can do this. I kind of always had that belief and I knew that it wasn't over and I knew that I could get back to where I was. It was just a matter of time. 
And then it kind of happened. I had one of those seasons where like everything was just going right. Like I was hitting amazing times in training. Like I remember on training camp um, in Italy and I had this one set where we were supposed to be doing these five 200 meters, like best average. And it was supposed to be hitting like your PB plus 10 to 12 seconds. And I was hitting PB plus like six seconds, which is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm, right. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm doing this in training, I know that I should be doing this in competition. And I kind of went into the competitions with like on a high knowing that I could do these times and like boom I did that personal best time and things were were rolling and I was like finally I can get back to national champs Um, and I had a series of competitions and it just kept chipping away at that time getting closer and closer to qualifying time until I had this like the last competition that I was entered in before the closing date for the qualifying period Um, and I before it I had two of my teammates who swim with they both were in different age groups and I watched them in the two mm-hmm. like races before me, and I saw them both go and get their like uh, their qualifying standards for their age group before me. And I was like, "Well, if and in, this, in the same event, if that makes sense." Right. Yeah. So a younger age group, but same same distance, same stroke. Yeah. Yeah. That the only difference was their different and, and age you, group. Right. So they have like slightly different times that they have to get. Um, yeah, so I kind of knew that I knew that because obviously I was training with them, I competed against them all the time, and I was like, well, if they can do it, then then I can do it. So I kind of. And when you say qualifying time, you mean qualifying? What are you qualifying for? For the national championship, the age group championships for like particular year. Got it. In the same way that you do a qualifying for the for the the um, Olympics or that kind of thing, but this is for the national championships. Understood. Okay. So, so you've got a threshold that you have to get over to then get into that event. Yeah. To, yeah. To be able to compete. Yeah. And so you've just seen your teammates both hit that standard, uh, two races in a row. You're like, Hey, I'm on the same training plan. I trained with them. We were all doing these times together. Like now it's my shot and I can do this. Yeah, exactly. That was exactly my mindset. And I kind of, I, I dove in and you know how you have that feeling where things are just going right you know you know you're having that kind of a good race everything just feels like you're just gliding through the water in my case I don't know if that's the same in rowing um, oh yeah it is <laughs> very much so yeah on top of so, the water not through it though <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly um but I knew like coming down the last length I knew it was going to be hard because it was starting to tire feeling that lactate and I was just trying not to kind of um, like I was trying to make sure that I was catching the water properly and making sure I was making the most of, of each and every stroke. Um, and I kind of hit that wall and I looked up the screen and I'd, I'd missed that time by like 0. 0.06 of a second, so six one hundredth wow. of a second. And I was just like devastated. Um, that was the beginning of the end of kind of my, my swimming career, if I'm honest. Uh, that, that next kind of year was just... Um, not fun. Um, I hadn't. I didn't realize that I needed to process what was going on. The fact that I'd done all this, but not reached my goal, and and I didn't process what was going on. But I didn't know I needed to, and I didn't really have time because I was going into my last year of, of my A levels, so the year before I go to university. So I had like I had to choose where I was going, mm-hmm. what course I was going. I had all the exams and the coursework and everything else going on, um, and I was just like onto the kind of onto the next thing what we, what we was doing and I just kind of spent that that next season training getting fit 
and then I'd get ill and have to take a couple of weeks out because I was ill and then there's just that cycle and by the end of it I was just like Mm -hmm. what is the point anymore like I just didn't want to have anything to do with swimming and I just was needed a break and just felt a little bit burnt out burnt out I guess and um, I like to refer it to for as- context. How long had you been swimming at this time? Like you're you're what seventeen or so years um, old at this point. Eighteen. Eighteen. So I'd been I'd been part of the club for ten years at that point. So I've been competing about ten years. Yeah. Wow. So the majority of your life has been in the pool. Yeah. At this <laughs> point, for context, and yeah. and so you get to this moment. You have this moment of like it's going so well, and I miss it by like a fingernail to get to this time. And then the next year I'm like trying to maximize and push and I get sick and back and forth in and out of the water. Um, Not to mention academic pressures and just all the normal stuff that an 18 year old person would be going through. Right. And then, exactly. And that's when it sounds like swimming left or you left swimming or some combination of the two, you, you parted ways at some point. Yeah, yeah. I like to refer to it as a breakup and quite a messy one at that, to be Mm. honest. Um, Like it wasn't ever like, um, it wasn't an immediate decision. It was something that I kind of, I talked to people about a little bit and and kind of it happened over the process of the second half of the season, I guess. But people kind of noticed that I wasn't, um, I wasn't enjoying it as much. I wasn't like the moment when I decided that I wasn't going to stop doing um, morning training, like getting up and being in the pool at like 5am um, was, was when like my coach was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You don't want to do this anymore. But he helped me kind of transition a little bit. So I moved a little bit into, he helped facilitate my um, move towards teaching and coaching that side of it. So I was getting a different view and that, so some he was quite okay with me to miss sessions if I was teaching um, and that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, it'd be like, oh, you missed a session. Why are you missing a session? Like that kind of guilt trip. But we gave that each other as, a, mm-hmm. as teammates anyway. So he never really had to do much of that. Of course. So so you're in this weird transition point. You, you said something earlier, which was you didn't really address what had happened the year before at the um, when you missed that qualifying time for nationals. Um, and, uh, and it sounds like you just sort of care, you just kind of stuffed that away and carried that down into um, some of your other parts of your life and academics. And eventually then you went on and, and did some traveling. Yeah. 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 So like the way that I kind of in the past, not so much now, it's something I've kind of worked on was I like to um, put my head in the sand a little bit and keep everything to myself and just like not talk mm-hmm. about it. And um, that kind of led me so obviously I finished my swimming and then in the September I went off to university and, and I did the whole academic stuff got my um I ended up being in at university for eight years oh wow um, and I came out yeah I came out with a PhD in the end um but along that time like my kind of mental health spiral because I wasn't um addressing those kind of issues that were happening and I ended up having depression and whatever and but yeah I did kind of I worked my way out of that. I'm actually through exercise. Like when I stopped swimming, I was like, I never want to do any exercise ever again. I've done enough exercise for my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, Not actually realizing that one of the reasons why I've been able to keep myself in a good state of mind and be able to achieve what I had done during school, like the lowest grade that I got when I was um, during my like high school career was like a B. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so like I was you know I'm pretty gifted academically um what I'm told I don't like to on my horn so much on that mm-hmm. on that front if I'm honest um because I just think I'm me I don't think I'm like Sheldon from Big Bang like I'm definitely not that clever but yeah so um I forgot where I was going my train of thought um <laughs> <laughs> no problem so you definitely had by all appearances exterior-wise, like you went to college, you were pursuing and eventually got your PhD. You had this amazing swimming career as a young person. You know, by all accounts, you were you were crushing it. You had a great optics yeah. of your situation looked really good from the outside, but you're talking about how you hadn't really addressed the negativity that you were feeling as a result of that loss or not even the loss, just the missing of your time by six one hundredths. Um, however many years ago it was. And then that was the thing, ultimately, it sounds like, uh, and maybe some other things on top of that, that were sort of driving you in this direction of the depression and the, and then just like, what's the point mentality, which I think a lot of people can relate to, maybe not through swimming, but um, through their own version of disappointment and shoving that down into a deep, dark corner and not addressing it. I know I felt that after the Olympics for at least a year and a half before I really started to deal with it. So I can absolutely relate. And, um, you know, so switching into that world, like, because we all are human, we all have these common elements between us. Like what did you do ultimately to sort of get yourself back into the track of like, you know, you're clearly achieving. So it wasn't just that you were underachieving, but it was, it was the way you were presumably feeling about it. Like, what did you do to, to reset yourself back into that, that world? Um, I think the hardest thing for me was just to talk about how I was feeling. Um, I, um, someone said like that they were not, they used to not be, um, emotionally literate. And I was like, yes, that is me all over. Like mm-hmm. it's something that I still struggle with and but I'm a little bit better is, is that being able to talk about how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just that, that kind of fear of judgment and, and perception that I had that people kind of always thought of me as, oh, she's like the person that's got it all together. She, no, she, you know, he doesn't need to ask for help because she, you know, she knows exactly what she's doing. She, um, she, um, like everyone always refers to me as like, oh, you, you never stress. You're always like really, I'm so late. You're so laid back. You're horizontal is like a phrase that I've heard. <laughs> but, and, and it's just like, you know, afraid of, of disappointing people and saying, actually, no, I'm not all that. I'm, I'm a little bit of this right now, mm-hmm. or maybe even a lot of this right now. Um, and it was just that, um, like having to talk about it. And, but once I did, it was like that, like weight had been lifted off and I was able to kind of start making that progress. And, um, one of the major things that I did was I actually went back to the thing that I knew and that was, it's like exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing like I, I like people tell tell you all the time that the benefits of exercise for your mental well being and stuff. But until I actually started going and doing it, and it was so hard to kind of put myself out there. I went and decided to do like um, one of these boot camps that are outside. It was great because it was like round the corner from university. I could go and do it after I've been in the lab for the day. And there was a bunch of other people there that were all different levels of fitness. So it didn't matter that like I was, you know, the heaviest that I'd ever been, that I couldn't run that like, you know, I was getting out of breath or what I couldn't do a press up anymore. Those, you know, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it was being part of people that didn't 
weren't going to judge me. They didn't know who I was, so I could be who I wanted to be, like, around those. And they didn't get mm. that judgment. And um, I found that, like, slowly, don't get me wrong, it took me a couple of years, I started getting back into the whole fitness side of things. And eventually I started to enjoy it as well as not just doing it because I knew the the benefits that it was having for my, my head. Absolutely. So you definitely got back into fitness and and more importantly you got back into something that you knew which is you know not always fitness for everyone although that is yeah. obviously there's a lot of benefits that you and I can both blabber on about for days um, <laughs> yeah. with our athletic backgrounds but um you know you got into something that you knew and and you you could control and you had some familiarity with um but then also you talked about like actually starting to talk about some of this stuff um, you know, saying like, Hey, I'm, you know, I know I'm sort of the laid back person or I'm the person that, that appears to sort of have it together, but I don't feel that way right now. And addressing that with your friends and your colleagues and your peers and being okay with having that conversation. Um, I imagine, I mean, cause I've been through this myself and many of the listeners I'm sure have like, that is not a, an overnight easy thing to address, especially cause it has to start from within, but ultimately you did some of that work and you did start to change that internal dialogue. And then obviously the external stuff came behind it, which then led you to the podcast in some way. Is that correct? Or was there more in between? Yeah, basically like that kind of whole process, like this was happening kind of during my PhD and it kind of made me realize that um, I didn't want to go down this route. Like I was going down a route that, that wasn't right for me, that I just didn't want to be there. And it, I guess it's, it's common for a lot they never know what they want to do. Um, decided that what the only thing was the careers that I could do in my PhD and try a bunch of different things. I, I had this phone call after an interview that I'd had and they basically told me that, that they didn't want me and that, that I hadn't got the job and I was just like not bothered about it at all. Um, and I was just like, my first thought was, okay, I can go traveling then. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that kind of like, normally when you get like a rejection from a job interview, you're like either down and you're just disappointed, but I was just like not bothered. Cause I was like, okay, that gives me, that's like the green light. I can go and do the thing that actually is exciting me and that's traveling. Um, and that's kind of what I've been doing for the most part of the last two years is traveling around Australia, doing things that I put myself in that un- comfortable zone that like meeting new people not knowing what I wanted to do trying different jobs out like I got to work on a dairy mm. farm for three months like how often do yeah. you get to go and do that <laughs> exactly um one of the things that I noticed when I was doing like traveling around staying in hostels you meet loads of new people like all the time and you have the same conversations with everyone like who what's your name where are you from where have you been and like you tell the same stories over and over again, which is, you know, which is fine um, and quite enjoyable. And, and, you know, I quite enjoy listening to people's stories. It's, it's fine by me. Um, but I realized I was telling the same stories to the same, all over and over again. And all, they were all about my swimming days. And at that point I was like, I've been hiding a huge part of myself. Why, why have I been doing this? And it kind of set off another real like, kind of reflective period where I was like, why, why have I been doing this? Like, like how can I incorporate this into kind of my life and then it got me thinking about the whole like transition process and why everything has happened or that had happened um, and I was like well I've gone through this I have read about other 
one or two top sports people that have gone through depression or some kind of mental health. In in some cases, there's been the odd one or two that have actually committed mm-hmm. suicide from it. And I was like, well, this is a conversation people mm-hmm. are not having at all. Um, so that's kind of where the idea for the show came along. And but I wanted to incorporate another kind of area that I was kind of really interested in and still I'm really interested in because it's kind of what I'm doing at the minute and that's kind of entrepreneurship um, because there's a lot of attributes that athletes have that successful um, Mm -hmm. business owners have and there's kind of a lot of marrying and transferring your skills going on there and it's the reason why a lot of athletes I think go into um, running their own business so that's kind of how the whole the idea of the show is and um kind of the whole whole concept of it is is just to like uncover the challenges along that journey from the ending of the sport and along the entrepreneurial journey and that's yeah so that's the show I love the thought process that it took you to get there and it's interesting that you it took you going to Australia and living in and out of all these hostels and literally telling the same story over and over again and then something clicked for you and you're like oh I'm hiding something. This isn't full me. This isn't all me. And then it like led you in this direction of like, if I'm feeling this way, other people have got to feel this way. And then here you go with the podcast. Can you tell us the name of the show and, and where people can find it and a little bit more about it? Yeah, for sure. So the show's called Beyond the Finish Line. Um, and it's pretty much anywhere you um, listen to a podcast or so whatever app you use whether it's um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or whatever else if you just like search for Beyond the Finish Line um, and even, or I may sometimes I might have to put my name in Rachel Boardman then you'll, you should be able to find it um, but yeah and so basically we chat I have guests on every week um, and I just started doing the solo episodes um, but I'll go back into them in a minute so the, the guests are, it's out every Tuesday and it's another it's someone like yourself um comes on the show and we chat about their sporting background what um, their challenges as they kind of transitioned out of the sport and what that looked like and what they're doing in the business now we share like tips and and strategies for like during the transition starting up a business and 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 those kind of things and we we celebrate the successes that people are having but we also like keep it real and talk about the challenges and the stuff that people don't usually talk about Mm -hmm. and then like the solo episodes that i've just kind of started doing um um, i realized that like i was telling other people's stories but not so much myself so i started like documenting what i'm doing like so there's this one coming out every like every Friday where I just basically share what I'm doing, what are my wins, what are my struggles, um, what's going on in the world of me. Um, just as as a point mm-hmm. to kind of want to find my voice a little bit more. Um another part to try and have like something to look back on down the line to say, Oh, this is where I've come from and just to again open up the conversation and say like yeah um when people are posting on social media this is might be what they're showing but actually it's not all rainbows and lollipops yeah well said i mean so i will link to the show down in the show notes guys so you can easily find it down there um rachel is going to be kind enough to have me on at some point here in the not so distant future i hope or, or maybe it'll already have aired by the time this show airs. I'm not sure how the diamond's going to work out, but we'll. <laughs> yeah. she'll, um, she's here on another way to play. I'll be on um, beyond the finish line, so you can go check that out there as well. And I just want to wrap up before we get to the last section with this. It's it's your commentary on like it's not all rainbows and lollipops, and I and I get this question a lot from people usually who are kind of starting a business. A lot of real estate agents, because obviously that's my business. 
Um, you know, like, how do I start with social media? How do I start marketing myself? How do I start, uh, you know, just sharing what's unique about me and finding people who, who are like me and what you just said, like that solo episode, like what's going on for you, wins, struggles, losses, the authenticity. That's where I always tell people to start is, is sharing that kind of stuff because regardless of if you're a bazillionaire entrepreneur and you've sold a million of whatever, or you're just starting out, like you have a human element to you and a connection that someone, probably multiple someone's is going to resonate with if you're willing to share it. And so those are the kinds of things that I love to um, share personally, whether it's my email blasts or my social media posts, and that I find also just get the most interaction and the most sort of feedback. And I would love Um, to just kick this back to you and just ask like, what has been your experience relative to the entrepreneurship side in sharing some of that, that vulnerability and that like not so rainbow unicorn life that uh, everyone else is posting on social media? Well, it's always hard when you're being real, when you're saying guys, like I'm struggling, this isn't like how I wanted it to be so I did something and it didn't work or, or whatever I don't think it ever really gets any easier because people see the wins and they expect things of you or at least you think they do anyway I think a lot of it's to do with your perception of what you think people think of you um if if that makes sense <laughs> mm-hmm. but I think I've always found that when you do get real when you are like completely open and honest that's when you get people are really actually really supportive like there's that human factor people are oh actually like get a lot of like thank you for sharing this has helped um and people are just grateful for for a bit of like um i guess non-filtered content um (laughs) is is the best way to say i think that's the and it makes you it makes you feel i guess it makes me feel a little bit warm and fuzzy that and like really nice that people are actually like want to hear that and are actually grateful that that I'm sharing and my kind of view in it is if I can by sharing my story and my struggles if I can help somebody else overcome their battle and whatever it is then that's awesome super super well said I love it and and I will just sort of ping onto the top of that um especially in a business setting usually it's like when everything is awesome and you're getting five-star reviews and you closed a big sale, everyone kind of knows you, you're trying to like pitch them or sell them something. But a lot of the times, if you take this approach that, that Rachel's talking about right here and apply that to your marketing or just to the conversations you have with your potential clients, it feels real and it feels like less of a sales call or the interaction on, on social media is less business and formal. And so it builds a relationship in a totally different way that is true and authentic and then can result in some amazing business or referrals or whatever else down the road. But yeah, think about that for yourselves as we, as we wrap up the show here is like, how can you be a little more authentic and a little bit more real and share some losses as well as some wins or some lessons learned possibly um, with your group and your tribe and see how that works for you. Cause I can tell you from experience when I did it and it sounds like when Rachel did it, the results have been pretty amazing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it, no, it surprises me every time. Like you think, Oh, I'm just going to put it out there. And then usually like when, after I post it, like shut everything off and walk away. Cause I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. want to see the real, I don't want to see the results. Um, but yeah, it's actually um, it's always quite positive. Awesome. 
Well, like I said, we are towards the end of the time. I want to respect your day because you are in the UK and many, many hours ahead of me. So I'm going to wrap us up and shift us into the focus five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Yes. First question. What book have you gifted most often? Um, can I say Harry Potter? Of course. <laughs> It's like my favorite books or series of books. I feel like it's your guys's like national book or something. <laughs> <This> book <laughs> <Yeah>. series. <laughs> Love it. Uh, if you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, an hour of somebody's time. Probably my grandma. Um, just because like, there's lots of questions that I never got to ask her that I wish that I had done. Um, like stuff about her past and like, I, I've heard some of her stories, but I'm sure there's so many more that I didn't get to hear. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? Um, so one thing that so- most people would disagree with me on. Yes. Um, I don't know. Maybe like, do you know what? I'm not sure I have anything that polarizing at the moment. Um, I, that, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can't really think of anything. Maybe like chocolate every day is awesome. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people would probably agree with you on that though. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. exactly. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? Oh, wow. I love this question because like literally in the last like month or so, I've recently got like really heads on um with with like morning routine and it's just it's it's helping so much so like obviously I, I get up um I have my breakfast um and then I usually take time to do a little bit of visualization so like I I don't know if you've heard of of like the perfect average day um it's something that like Frank Kern has is um was who I heard it off first, but basically you write out your perfect average day. So I did this over like on a weekend and it's basically um, like if you were stuck in Groundhog Day, what would your perfect Groundhog Day be? That's kind of the whole concept. Um, and so mm-hmm. I kind of read that mm-hmm. every morning um, as, as, as kind of like a to help me visualize like where I want to go. It's only like, kind of, it's only supposed to be like uh, 12 to 18 months down the line. So not like you, you're perfect in the, in the kind of way in the future, but just like a, like 12 to 18 months time so I kind of read that um to kind of help shift my brain and then I usually listen to some kind of of, of a podcast and um, that kind of gets my mindset in in the right kind of mold for the day um and that's kind of like the main kind of steps that I do it's just about putting making sure I'm getting my 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 head in the game um my mindset in the right place in the same way that um like before a race you have a set routine that you do like I know like I had the same warm-ups that I did and then I had a little behind the block routine yep. just to make sure that you know you get your head and like I've only been doing it about a month and I'm already seeing that like, I'm being so much more productive and getting things done than I need to do um and so I can't like you know speaks to the benefits enough yeah I love that. Thank you for for sharing that with us. What is the best place online that we can connect with you? Um, I am probably Instagram or Facebook. Um, so my Instagram is at Rach Boardman and my Facebook is Rachel.boardman13. But yeah, so I'm usually I'm usually on there. Perfect. I'm on like LinkedIn as well, but I'm not on there as much. 
So yeah, guys, everything's down in the show notes. Go check it out. Scroll all the way to the bottom. You'll find the social links as well as uh, links to Beyond the Finish Line. Uh, you can connect with Rachel. Go subscribe to her podcast, leave her a rating and review. Uh, show her some love because she's got some really cool stuff going on over there. Um, and Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show today. Really enjoyed the conversation and, and thank you for sharing your story and the authenticity. No worries. I've had so much fun as well. And thank you for having me. It's been fun. Can't wait to um, return the favor. Absolutely. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to go check out Rachel or her podcast. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to go check out Rachel or her podcast down in the show notes, it's the place to do that as always. Um, And then I've got my social media and all of my stuff down there as well. If you want to connect with me personally. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to go check out Rachel or her podcast down in the show notes, it's the place to do that as always. Um, And then I've got my social media and all of my stuff down there as well. If you want to connect with me personally, would really love to do that. Um, So uh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you are getting value out of this, please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review because it does help me grow and obviously get out to a few more people plus gain some really critical feedback because I do read all your 